From WGVU, this is Focus West Michigan for Monday, February 26, 2024. I'm Joe Balecki. For our main feature today, Kylie Ambu explores a report about how safe or not American Jews feel right now. Also, there's a child care crisis in West Michigan, the presidential primary is tomorrow, and more state and West Michigan news. Focus West Michigan is brought to you by listeners like you. To support this show and everything we do, visit wgvunews.org and click the donate button. Experts say the lack of child care options in West Michigan is now a crisis, citing recent surveys of workers and business leaders. WGVU's Dee Morrison reports. Parents say it's far easier to find a job than to secure affordable child care. That's according to two reports just released by economic development organization The Right Place and child care nonprofit Vibrant Futures, whose CEO Shana Edmund Verley says it's a two-pronged issue, not enough child care available, and what is is too expensive. What we're finding is that the number one issue is affordability over actually availability. Certainly availability is coming in about 40-something, 50-something percent, but in Kent County, uh, nearly 70 percent reported that affordability was the issue. Findings come from surveys of parents and business leaders representing 40,000 workers in Barrie, Kent, Ionia, Macosta, and Montcalm counties. Researchers say lack of childcare keeps thousands of employees out of the workforce, costing the region $279 million in missed economic performance. One solution is cost-sharing programs like TriShare. What that is is a share of the cost between employers, the state of Michigan, and the employee. And that has had a credible effect, and we're looking at what does it take to expand it. She says 99% of business owners surveyed were interested in contributing to child care solutions. I'm Dee Morrison. Republican presidential candidate Nikki Haley wrapped up a two-day two-stop Michigan tour in Grand Rapids today, just before the state primary. WGVU's David Limbaugh was there. Having stumped in Troy on Sunday, Republican primary nominee hopeful Nikki Haley spoke to a crowd of hundreds at the Amway Grand Plaza. Of the many topics she spoke on, Congress was one that took center stage as it faces another looming partial shutdown. Why is Congress the only group that refuses to balance a budget? We'll stop the spending, we'll stop the borrowing, will eliminate their pet projects, and I'll veto any spending bill that doesn't take us back to pre-COVID levels. That will save us trillions. Haley recently lost the South Carolina primary to Donald Trump, but says her experience as governor of that state would benefit her in the White House. She'd remove as many federal programs as possible from Washington, D.C., and move them down to the state level. Think education, think health care, think welfare, think mental health. When you cut those strings and send it down, you've got the decisions being made closest to the people instead of Washington bureaucrats. Haley also spoke about both President Joe Biden and Donald Trump. It is not normal for Joe Biden to focus more on gender pronouns than reading and math in schools. And it's not normal for Donald Trump to mock members of the military. Haley will continue campaigning in Minneapolis, Denver, and Richmond, Virginia over the next several days. I'm David Limbaugh. Some residents already keep chickens illegally in Muskegon. Now, WGVU's Phil Dawson reports that it is legal to have a half dozen hens in a backyard coop. Up to six female chickens, no roosters. And planning director Mike Frantic says owners must keep their chickens in a city-approved coop. 
But while Muskegon commissioners have now voted to allow hens... This stuff is more involved than people think. Planning Commissioner Steve Garon has some concerns. Everything from avian flu to smells, cleanliness. Commissioner Jill Montgomery Keats says she knows firsthand living near chickens can be unpleasant. There is a house that has chickens. It's a couple doors down and they are extremely loud. And then the dogs bark, of course, because the chickens are making all this noise. But Mayor Ken Johnson says he barely noticed his neighbor's chickens. Had a coop not even 20 feet from my front door. Four to eight hens that he had in there. The, the noise from the, the hens, you know, I heard, you know, clucking a little bit, but it was not excessive. And Planning Commissioner Destiny Keener does not think that many Muskegon residents want chickens in the backyard. People don't really un- understand how expensive chickens are to raise. I'm Phil Dawson. The Michigan Department of Environment, Great Lakes, and Energy, or EGLE, announced over $95 million in MI Clean Water grants to help upgrade water infrastructure in many Michigan communities. WGVU's David Limbaugh tells us which West Michigan city will be seeing the benefits of those grants. Thanks to a grant through the Drinking Water State Revolving Fund, or DWSRF, Muskegon Heights will be receiving nearly $20 million in updates to the city's water system. The project includes the replacement of aging water mains along Broadway Avenue from Glade to Reynolds Street, as well as water main replacement along Sanford Street from Oakwood to Norton Avenue. This work includes replacing 7,000 feet of cast iron water main and the replacement of 81 lead service lines, as well as 530 additional lead line replacements in other parts of the city. Eagle says these projects will improve water flow and reliability. The DWSRF is a low-interest loan program that helps public water systems finance the costs of replacing and repairing their drinking water infrastructure. Grants from these programs aim to help communities ensure healthy drinking water and protect the environment. 70% of Michiganders are served by more than 1,000 community wastewater systems. A similar percentage also gets its drinking water from community water systems. Those areas often struggle to find the necessary funds to upgrade their aging infrastructure. No word yet on when these improvements will take place in Muskegon Heights. I'm David Limbaugh. Michigan's high school graduation rates are up in all categories, according to the new report from the state's Department of Education, WGVU's D. Morrison reports. Michigan's high school graduation rates for 2023 are at 81.77 percent, the second highest ever behind 2019. Today we celebrate the highest Grand Rapids Public Schools graduation record in recent history. Superintendent Dr. Ledrian Roby says Grand Rapids Public Schools continued its trend of consistent growth over the last 10 years, scoring 82.4% for 2023. In 2014, it was just 49.6%. They're also above the state average for the first time this year. Roby says it's about discovering and addressing barriers to graduation. How do we ensure that we're helping families and young people see the value of graduating on time, but then also if there are barriers, having those conversations work very closely with our high school counselors to see what supports and things that are needed. She calls for continued growth with a hyper-focus on attendance, on early childhood education that sets up students for success, and on creating a sense of belonging. People come to places where they feel welcome, and it's important if we make school a place where children feel valued and respected and seen, they're more likely to come. Graduation rates can be found listed by school and district at mischooldata.org. I'm Dee Morrison. 
a center aimed at serving the broader Michigan State University community in the wake of a mass shooting that took place on campus a year ago is set to open next week. The Resiliency Center will offer mental health support, hangout spaces, and virtual appointments. It'll be run by the crisis services agency Common Ground, which also opened a Resiliency Center in Oxford following a 2021 mass shooting there. Chief Crisis Operations Officer Janet Sarkos says the East Lansing space aims to help people feel a sense of community. What we hope will happen here is is that people just come and hang out um, and it they may not be actively participating in an activity but talking happens when you're comfortable and there are people here to listen to what's going on and I think that's how healing happens. Sarkos says Common Ground has a three-year lease on its East Lansing Center. The top administrator in Ottawa County allegedly created a hostile work environment and made sexist remarks about county board members, as according to a letter posted online by the county's board chair. Chair Joe Moss said he was posting the letter to be transparent. On Thursday, commissioners voted to place Administrator John Gibbs on paid leave. The letter alleges Gibbs made verbal threats against two county officials. It also quotes an unnamed employee who said Gibbs created a hostile environment with bizarre and conflicting requests. Gibbs's attorney says the county board is, quote, pursuing personal vendettas instead of governance. Michigan may soon license dietitians. That's if House Bill 4608 becomes law. Representative Lori Pohutsky of Livonia introduced the legislation. She says Michigan is one of just two states that does not license dietitians. Pohutsky says the bill would expand access to care. That's because insurers would be more likely to cover dietitian services if providers were licensed. It will hopefully improve health outcomes for people all across the state. Some opponents of the bill say it falls short by not providing a licensing process for certified nutrition specialists. They typically have different training than dietitians. The bill passed the Michigan House in the fall. It's now in the Senate Health Policy Committee. This is Ira Glass of This American Life, and I'm coming to Grand Rapids to give a talk that I call Seven Things I've Learned, which is basically just an excuse to tell a bunch of stories, play some clips, play some video, talk about how we make the radio show. There's stuff that we have not put on the air and never will put on the air. It's a bunch of stories that are just really fun to tell in front of a crowd. Join me Saturday, April 6th at DeVos Performance Hall. For tickets, visit DeVosPerformanceHall.com. Again, DeVosPerformanceHall.com. of American Jews say they feel less safe living in the U.S. in 2024. That's according to a new report released by the American Jewish Committee. WGVU's Kylie Ambu speaks with Holly Huffnagel, AJC's Director for Combating Antisemitism. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to chat today. I want to first start with, you know, just a simple question. What did this report examine overall? The report examines the state of anti-Semitism in America, both how American Jews are perceiving and experiencing it and the general public's awareness of it. You know, many would probably assume the answer on this, but did you find disparity in awareness between American Jews and then compared to other Americans living in the United States? Yes, we, we did find disparity between between the two groups, uh, you know, one as acutely experiencing the problem and, and the other one might not be as aware of the general public. Uh, but a couple of interesting things is this year, we've been actually uh, studying American Jews for five years. We've been studying the general public alongside American Jews for four years now. So we actually ha- are able to see some trend over time. 
Not over nine in 10 American Jews said anti-Semitism is a problem uh, in the U.S. today. Almost almost nine in 10, 86 percent said it's increased over the past five years. It's less for Amer for Americans. Uh, 74 percent said anti-Semitism is a problem in our country. 56 percent said it's increased over the past five years. But what's actually important to note, if you if you just look at 2023 in isolation, you see this gap. But if you compare that gap to four years ago, or even three years ago, it was much wider. And so we're actually seeing the general public becoming more aware of the problem. There was a 14 percentage point increase in two years of Americans saying that anti-Semitism is a problem, uh, over 12 percent uh, percentage point increase of saying it's increased in the, in the past five years uh, compared to two years ago. So they're becoming aware of, of the reality on the ground for so many American Jews. In looking at both your report and some studies that have been done over the years, it does seem like the trends of incidents are increasing. Can you speak to that? Overall, uh, we're seeing uh, reporting of incidents increased. I think last year was the the, the biggest reported level of anti-Semitic incidents since data collection uh, started uh, over four decades ago. At American Jewish Committee, we aren't actually tracking incidents. We are tracking the experiences on the Jewish community and their reporting of them. So we actually see that trend with the FBI data, with other uh, data coming out on incidents, we can see it parallel, that, that increase in feeling less secure, feeling less safe, changing behavior. Uh, so they do, they do match. So your report focuses on the U.S., but there are things that obviously impact our life that are, are happening abroad. Um, when we look at the attack on Israel, did that play a factor in some of those safety concerns that you had mentioned? This was a moment we did not expect to be in, both what happened, the horrific terrorist attacks in, in, in Israel on October 7th, but our survey, we entered the field on October 5th to you know, put a finger on the pulse of how American Jews were feeling just about anti-Semitism in America. We didn't realize that we were going to capture a moment in time, being in the field in October and November, and really seeing how Jews were feeling in, in that moment. And yes, we asked questions about the last 12 months. So it does need to be put in the perspective that there was a full year we were looking at, not just October and November, but we did ask two new questions. Uh, we, we pulled out of the field right after we entered basically because of what happened. We added two new questions, which said, have you heard about the Hamas attacks uh, in, in Israel? And did, they, did, did those attacks make you feel less safe as a Jewish person in America? 98% had heard about the attack. So we're basically talking about the whole Jewish community uh, in, the, in the United States heard something, at least something about the attacks. For 78% of them, it made them feel less safe as a Jewish person in the United States. And we know that 63% of American Jews said they felt the status of Jews was less secure this year than last year. It was 41% last year, 31% two years ago. So we have a doubling, like a 100% increase just in two years of Jews feeling less secure. And the number one reason given this year uh, was the Hamas-Israel war. So we're obviously seeing a rise in anti-Semitism and experiences. We're now also seeing a rise in awareness within the general public. How do you feel those factors will play out? And do you think that it will have a, a positive impact on Jewish people living here in America? That's our hope. 
the the fact that so many Americans, four in ten, are actually seeing anti-Semitism. The majority, by the way, report seeing anti-Semitism online and on social media. So that really is the the biggest problem to to spreading this type of, of vitriol. But four years ago, when we were asking questions about awareness, uh, we were finding that you know, 16% of Americans several years ago said they'd never even heard the word anti-Semitism. So how are we going to ask uh, the American public to combat a problem they've never even heard of, or they don't know that it's increasing? So while on the one hand, it's horrible what we're seeing with anti-Semitism in America and this rise, uh, but the general public is waking up to it. And that's where it's going to have to start, is that recognition that there is a problem. One good news finding that we that we discovered was that over nine in 10 Americans uh, believe that anti-Semitism is a societal problem, not a Jewish problem, and that it's everyone's responsibility to combat it, not just the Jewish community. So they know they have the responsibility. <laughs> they know that they're more aware of it. The question that that we need to fill uh, within the Jewish community now as the Jewish community is how to give them the resources that they would need to to then speak up and speak out. What can people who are listening to this or reading your report do if they want to learn more? What would you say to folks and are there ways that they can get involved? Absolutely. Especially in this moment. I think in 2024, as you know, continue to be incredibly, incredibly polarized as a society, uh, partisan politics continues to divide, and will even more so as we get up, we we gear up toward our 2024 presidential election. I think this is the time to press in with with communities, rebuilding that trust with each other, um, increasing cooperation with other groups. That is actually a question we asked about too, and over nine in ten Americans agreed that it's important for the Jewish community and other uh, minority and faith based and communities to. to increase increase cooperation with each other but we have a moment here where we can share with that general public what they can do uh to 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 speak out and and counter anti-semitism and we know that americans have said that they've report that they've spoken out against anti-semitism in the past in fact one in three did which was actually quite a large number when over a third of Americans don't even personally know someone who is Jewish. Uh, we do see people speaking up. The gap, though, in those who didn't report or didn't speak up is often that they don't know how. And we've purposely created resources. They, they're all on our website, ajc.org, which helps Americans, general public, understand anti-Semitism. We have a resource called Translate Hate, which walks the average person through anti-Semitic terms and tropes and then what to do if they see it. You know, the whole see something, say something. Where, where do you go? How do you how do you report? How do you speak out? And so we're providing those tools uh, to the American public with the hopes that in a few years from now, these numbers will go down. Well, Holly, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. And more information on this report can be found on our website, WGVUnews.org. I'm Kylie Ambu. This has been Focus West Michigan from WGVU for Monday, February 26, 2024. I'm Joe Balecki. Our audio operations manager is Rick Beerling, and our news and public affairs director is Patrick Center. We'll be back with more news and events in West Michigan tomorrow, wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.